Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this... And Peter Schweizer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is the Drill Down with Peter Schweizer. I'm Peter Schweizer, and welcome to the Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in the federal government. And our co-host, as always, is Eric Eggers, Vice President here at the Government Accountability Institute, and an author uh, in his own right. Now, I have to say, I'm looking at your countenance. Um, you're usually a pretty chipper guy. That's right. Uh, you don't look so chipper today. You're in a pretty dour mood. What's going on? Well, a couple of things. Uh, number one, the weather's been gray and rainy here in Florida. A lot of people don't realize that Tallahassee actually gets much more rain than Seattle does. So the weather's down yep. today, and I think that's affecting my typically sunny disposition. Uh, but the second reason is today, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to do one of my least favorite things. Uh-oh, what's that? Quote you. <laughs> Because unfortunately, once again, and like I don't know why this keeps happening, but your reporting has been proven correct. Again, the New York Times last week has validated uh, so much of the things you've been reporting on and we've been reporting on here at the Government Accountability Institute since literally 2018. Uh, their big expose that confirmed the legitimacy and validity of Hunter Biden's laptop and lots of other things. And that's a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah, it is a big deal. And I smell an indictment coming. Ooh, uh, we're going to talk that's about it. No, the, no, you're right. It's indictment. I was going to say aftershave, but neither one is going aftershave. <laughs> yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about um, the possibility of an indictment, and my theory that it is increasingly likely. Uh, but we want to talk today about this New York Times piece and go in depth as to actually what is going on, because there seems to be a lot of confusion. I think there's a lot of misinformation, but also there's some very, very powerful and important takeaways uh, that I think people have to have if they're going to observe and understand what's going on with the Biden family situation and corruption. Well, and I think this is a story that's been in, that's lived right since um, obviously the fall of 2020. So people know the phrase Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah. And there's a book called The Laptop from Hell. Yep, like, great so, book. So, by the way. so Hunter Biden's laptop is its own character, but I think people might know those words, but they might not know what, what it means, what's on the laptop. So I think one of the things we want to talk about is the fact that this New York Times article came out last week. So I guess before we'll talk about the things that the New York Times story means and what it means if the laptop has been validated and legitimized, 
Um, you know, why do we think that the New York Times is reporting on it now? Because because for yeah. months, right, Le- in the lead up to and this New York Post broke story about Hunter Biden's laptop in October 2020, uh, it wasn't just not reported on by the New York Times the mainstream media. It was actively censored. Right. Right. I mean, it was actively censored by Twitter, Facebook. Like you would, it was a cute, it was labeled disinformation. Right. They tried to kill the story and then they couldn't kill the story. Then they tried to throw aspersions at it and say that it was not true right. based on no evidence. And now they all have to eat crow uh, because they've been proven to be wrong. But you raise, a, I think, a really important question as we're all very excited that the New York Times has finally admitted, now it was in paragraph 17 <laughs> of an article. It's that, that, what's the phrase, burying the lead? Um, but they did it. Uh, but the question is, is why did the New York Times run that piece? And more importantly, when you look at that article, uh, it's very curious. You see the fingerprints of Team Biden all over it. So this is, is I think this is a really insightful take for you. Yeah. So talk about why. Because and You and sound why, surprised that it's an inf- insightful well, take. I am. Me. I am surprised. I mean, you wear Orvis <laughs> shirts. So, I mean... <laughs> No offense, though. <laughs> what, you, you got a branding problem here. I mean, I'm in Brooks Brothers, just, have, just so the listener knows. But yeah, so I think it's a, it's an insightful take, and I think the fact that it has come out now in in March of 2022. Yeah, uh, yeah. So why do we think that the New York Times is now saying, oh, actually, everything we've spent the last 16 months dismissing, take backsies, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they they take it back. But this article, they received a lot of inside information that could only have come from Team Biden. So, for example, um, you know, the, the article talks about this grand jury that's been convened since 2018, looking to Hunter Biden for tax evasion, money laundering, uh, failure to represent uh, to uh, register as a foreign agent because he was doing all this effective lobbying for foreign entities. And Team Biden has not said a word about this. They have pretended like it's It's not even a story. Hunter Biden admitted it was going on, but they haven't said anything. When you look at this New York Times piece, you have the New York Times admission uh, that the laptop is real because the laptop is used is being used as evidence by the prosecutor in this grand jury case. But there are a lot of interesting nuggets. The fact that Hunter Biden has paid back a million dollars in taxes that he uh, had not that he that he admits that he acknowledges a series of other fallback positions. Well, hang on and pause for a second about the fact that he's paid the money because I thought right. the New York Times in the article they provided so there's like the fact right and then there's some contextualizing and the contextualizing around and this is what I think because you said you think an indictment's coming and the contextualizing around the fact that he's paid a million dollars that he had to even take out a loan to pay the million right. dollars, which would be another example of inside information from team Biden. Right. 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 So uh, the fact that he's paid the million dollars, how did the New York Times contextualize that? And why do you think that that helps support your position? Well, what the New York Times uh, tried to do is basically soften the landing for an indictment. So what they're trying to say is, okay, Hunter Biden may have owed these taxes. He did owe these taxes, but he's trying to pay them back. He's making a good faith effort. In fact, the headline of this story, again, talking about burying the lead, the headline of the story was Hunter Biden pays back taxes, comma, but broad investigation continues. I mean, that that's like a, a PR clip from Team Biden. But the question would be, why is Team Biden cooperating on the story? Why do they feel the need to get ahead of this story? And the answer to me, I think, pr- is pretty clear, is they are extremely concerned that, in fact, Hunter Biden is going to be indicted by this grand jury. And they feel the need to get ahead of it 
So there's this not this shock and this disorganized response uh, from the Biden administration and the Biden family. So this to me is powerful, powerful evidence uh, that they are feeling the heat and they feel that there are actually going to be indictments of Hunter Biden. When the New York Times article said one reason why people might pay taxes that they owe. <laughs> I mean, it, sa- it says that the article right. is lawyers will tell you to pay the taxes that they owe, not because it's just good policy, which had no argument from me, but right. uh, to say that it's it's helpful when it can come to reduce sentencing. Right, exactly. Like they, I mean, that's literally in the article. No, here's why people do this. Yeah, exactly. By the way, if you are having tax issues, you might want to read this article because the Bidens have some really interesting advice and insights on how to deal with this. And that's one of them. I mean, they actually make the point of saying that that, uh, you know, people who owe back taxes who are being uh, charged and convicted, judges and juries tend to not uh, give them as long prison sentences if they've paid some of the money back. So that to me is is a a massive uh, head fake or uh, sorry, a head indication that they are, in fact, uh, looking to an indictment. And then the question becomes, what is he possibly going to be indicted on? And mm-hmm. I want your thought on this. I mean, you're, you've been immersed in this with me as much as I have, but you've got the tax charges, which seems to be pretty clear cut. And remember, what did they end up getting Al Capone on? It was tax evasion. It was not the myriad of other things that he did. It wasn't the murder. It wasn't the murder. It wasn't the the, the Valentine's Day massacre. Not, not the shootings. No. no, it was not the shootings. It was t- because you know tax evasion is easy to show. You have all this money. It's in your bank. You didn't pay taxes on it. You owe it. So that one, I seems to me, is kind of a slam dunk. I feel like Al Capone when they came to him with that, he probably channeled his inner Allen Iverson. He's like, "What are we talking about, man? Not the murder." We're talking about taxes, <laughs> not the shootings, not the shootings of the dead people, <laughs> right. but taxes. Right, right. Yeah. Hunter might have had a similar reaction, uh, not not uh, saying that he was engaged in that, but there are a whole bunch of other charges that well, he's had. Well, I think, and I'll be curious to see, uh, so so one of my takeaways was the fact that it says that the, the investigation is being led by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware. And so as soon as I see anything about investigation with Biden's in Delaware, I get yeah. a little bit suspicious or nervous because you know they they come from delaware i mean small state yeah it's a very small state joe's been there for 11 billion years right. he kind of runs a lot of stuff uh hunter, hunter biden's career essentially began by representing financial companies mm-hmm. based in delaware his brother well and that's brother. And, and that to me is the takeaway is i remember a, a while ago and this is just how long we've been covering hunter biden stuff it's just weird how you know we sort of very familiar with a lot of different aspects of the Hunter Biden story, but we actually got a tip and we were the first ones to receive documents and helped break the story a few years ago about in 2016, Hunter Biden basically was not in a great place and abandoned a rental car outside of a Hertz, I believe out in Arizona. And the rental car that was you know rented in his name or actually was rented on Joseph McGee, but his rental car. And it had drug paraphernalia and he left uh you know his driver's license and wallet that's how they knew it was under right, Biden's. Right, right. Uh, by the way if you're ever going to drunkenly or druggedly abandon a rental car the one right. thing you want to take with you is your driver's <laughs> license that's a personal tip from me especially if the id has a different name than the rental oh my gosh car. but yeah. it, but it also had his late brother bo biden's badge as the attorney general of delaware right and so i think so i mean that's how kind of connected this guy is and by the way he never faced charges the social uh, secret service came and you know, they, Cleaned it law, up. law enforcement could never get a hold of him. And yeah. there's all kinds of fun stories related to that. But the point is, is that when I see that the attorney general's office or the U.S. attorney in Delaware is leading the investigation, that makes me think, well, can anything really happen? But but you think there's a chance. Yeah, there is. And here's the interesting part about this. So this grand jury was convened in 2018. 
President Trump was still in the White House, uh, and it was a U.S. attorney that he appointed mm-hmm. that actually was helping to run this grand jury. That U.S. attorney is still there. And he's been is, given permission to stay. Yeah, he's been given permission to stay. He has not been replaced by the Biden administration. I think if they were to remove him, uh, that would be like, you know, basically going thermonuclear. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're basically shutting down an investigation on his son. So we have that. The other thing I would say is, you know, I still have a lot of faith in juries. Now, of course, we all remember the OJ case. Uh, but what but, a reference, by the way. Like, yeah, there's but, been like there's lots of cases, lots of juries. Well, that's that's an obvious one to me where a jury probably I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably didn't get it right. But Peter Schweitzer, like best selling <laughs> author, got a great life in Tallahassee, still upset about the OJ verdict. <laughs> I went to that pretty quickly. I? <laughs> I mean, come on, let's unpack that. <laughs> As a Patriots fan. <laughs> it was only it was only 30 years ago. Uh, but but no, I mean, juries get it wrong, but also juries a lot of times get it right. Yeah. And so, yeah, the fact that it's occurring in Delaware should be concerning at some level. On the other hand, I will tell you, even if you like a politician, if their family is failing to pay millions of dollars in taxes, when you're looking at the tax return you have to file every year and the money being taken out of your paycheck, that's the sort of thing that I think transcends political power and influence. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm I'm somewhat optimistic we're actually going to get some legal action. Here. Well, not just potentially on the taxes, but to the question you asked a little bit ago, uh, what are some other charges he might face? I mean, the New York Times essentially indicated that he could be facing FARA violations. And, right. so, and so do you want to tell people about what is, what is FARA? Yeah, FARA is the Foreign Agents Registration Act. It was started in the 1930s mm-hmm. uh, by federal law, and it was really designed to uh, force uh, uh, out into the open people that were doing the biddies, bidding for the Nazi party. And what the law basically says is if you are representing a foreign individual, a foreign political party, corporation, or country, uh, and you are going to the federal government asking them to do something or to not do something in reference to them, in other words, in their official actions, uh, and you're getting paid for it, uh, or you you are connected to them in some way, you are required to register with the Justice Department under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. And you can go and actually look at FARA.gov, and you'll see all kinds of people sign up. They represent Jamaica. They represent Russia. They represent Chinese companies. So there are a lot of people that register. What's interesting in the Hunter Biden case is he did a lot of financial transactions with a lot of people. Um, in, in a lot of different countries. In a lot of different countries. And there's a lot of evidence in the laptop that he was being asked to and he was taking action on their behalf to do their bidding in the federal government when his father was vice president of the United and States. And taking credit for it. Like the New York Times quotes one of the emails, like, let's make sure these guys know this is part of our action and part of the value we provide. Exactly. So what's interesting and, is. And, sorry, and last thing. Yeah. The, the email also suggests or subsequent email suggests that he had an awareness of like the importance of Pharaoh. Exactly. And, and that, and, and yeah, yeah exactly. No, I think that's a critical point you bring up. And that is that Farah came up in some of the emails. In some cases, people were saying, Hey, can you do this? Do we have to register under Farah? And there was never any response. And of course he never did register under the foreign agents registration. Act. And so people might be thinking, well, how big of a deal is this? Well, if uh, a couple of People thought it was a real big deal in the Trump administration, Paul Manafort and Michael Flynn. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, Paul Manafort, one of the things he was charged with and, and, and went to jail for was FARA violations. And there has been an uptick in FARA violations 
uh, uh, prosecutions by the Department of Justice, because this is for for decades, really, you know, beginning in the 1990s up until probably eight to 10 years ago. Uh, this was an area where the Department of Justice was not doing a lot. They were letting a lot of people get away with it. That has now changed. And so the question is, are they going to enforce the law? And particularly in the case of the son of the sitting vice president, who's doing this for China, who's doing this for Burisma, who's doing it for Russian oligarchs, who's doing there's a Romanian now that has emerged in all of these cases. He is pursuing parts of their agenda with the federal government. He's getting paid and he never registers with the Department of Justice. Yeah, not great timing for the old Hunter Biden Farah uh, run, <laughs> because from 1966, to your point, one of our researchers pulled this up, which is a great job. 1996 or for 1966, excuse me, to 2015, the Department of Justice only initiated seven single digit seven criminal fair charges, uh, two of which actually were dismissed. Right. Uh, but then since 2016, they did this big investigation into it. And that's been the case. No, we're going to see an uptick in this. We realize federal, this is actually, and this is a lot of what we talk about on this podcast. This has actually become the business model for foreign governments that are attempting to influence things in the United States. They're going to take our guys. We're going to try to leverage it from the inside. So we've seen an uptick and it's been taken much more seriously, which is why Paul Manafort was charged, which is why Michael Flynn was accused. And so uh, Hunter Biden very much may be in trouble that way. And that's maybe one of the reasons why the New York Times mentioned it in the article. Yes, that's right. Um, so you've got the tax evasion issue. You have the FARA issue. The The third thing that comes up uh, is money laundering. Yeah. Do you money launder? Uh, I mean, I will say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to answer that question, <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, and one of my takeaways from reading this New York Times article and looking at these pictures of Hunter Biden, you know, my man's got tax issues. My man's got some questionable financial arrangements. He's got questionable personal contact issues, and he's got a great tan. I might be the Hunter Biden of GAI. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are certain things I need to know about your private life for us to be able to confirm that. Well, so this is an interesting one because money laundering, of course, is, is something that a lot of people go to jail for. And money laundering is essentially you're trying to hide the origins or the ownership of money by sending it through a series of accounts. And there are all kinds of sophisticated ways people do this. People that do this, are, of course, are drug lords, drug kingpins, whatever you want to call them, foreign oligarchs from Russia and China. Mm -hmm. They may have gotten money, let's say, in a less than legal way, or uh, they are trying to hide those assets from a foreign government or for the U.S. government. So they will give them to somebody in the United States who will move them through accounts. This is an interesting one for Hunter Biden, because if you look at the Hunter Biden materials we've gone through, you have the fact that he is engaged in financial transactions with Russian oligarchs like Elena Baterina. Now, Baterina, uh, our State Department has linked to Russian organized crime. Uh, and that was something that would have been easy for Hunter Biden to find out. And he and his business partners apparently had no concerns. Yeah, you get the sense they didn't run a lot of this by the federal <laughs> government. Hey, should we take money from this uh, mob linked up Russian oligarch? They not only didn't run it by the federal government, I don't think they ran it by Google. Because you can find a lot of this stuff online if you're, if you're willing to look. But what's interesting about the Botterina case is we know that $3.5 million was wired to them. That came out uh, from the U.S. Senate. But we found this corporate document uh, that came out in a court trial for uh, Hunter's firm. It's called Burnham. And in that, there were corporate minutes where they are discussing the fact uh, that they are handling between $200 million and $300 million of Yelena Baterina's money. Yeah. Now, 
what does handling actually mean? Uh, we don't know. We do know that uh, Baderina is now under sanction. We do know that there are all kinds of allegations that she had ill-gotten gains. Um, you know, this is uh, this is a highly sketchy individual. So this could be related to Baderina. Mm-hmm. It could also be related to China and the dealings he had in China. Because you remember in 2019, the IRS issued a subpoena. This has now come out. The New York Post, Breitbart, and others have reported on it. Issued a subpoena wanting to see the, all the financial transactions between the Bank of China and Hunter Biden's accounts at Morgan Stanley. So it's very interesting to think, where is the money laundering part of this going to go? Yeah, maybe we shouldn't be totally shocked that now we're seeing the New York Times validated because, I mean, as you, like everything, okay, that happened. Oh, yeah, that happened. And oh, by the way, they asked for all the records for that. So right. it has been a slow building train. I mean, the federal government might move glacially. But eventually they do get there and their rate's pretty good in terms of convictions. Yeah, they are. I mean, if you're going to go after a highly uh, powerful uh, political figure or their family, you you better have the goods. So so let me ask you this, because so that's something you've been reporting on and we've been reporting on for some time. But other things that we've been reporting on, and people might not realize this, I mean, this is pretty wild. But and this is like one of my favorite things to say about, you know, the, hey, where do you work? Oh, it's a think tank. Don't worry about us. But like literally... The research we've done at GAI and the research that's been in your books, both in terms of Clinton cash and the subsequent stuff from profiles of corruption to secret empires, everything else, that research was used, not by us, but by other people, that research was used to both get President Trump elected, but then it also helped get President Trump in, uh, impeached because the research that was in Clinton cash was used on the campaign and President Trump you know, used it and became elected. But then the research into uh, the allegations that some would say have been now validated by the New York Times article on the laptop right. about one of the emails is Hunter Biden receiving an email from this Ukrainian company that he works for. Burisma. Burisma saying, hey, you need to shut down any investigations into the head of this company. Right. And then three weeks later, it's been reported that Joe Biden leveraged a billion dollars in foreign aid to get the removal of the prosecutor that was leading those investigations. Right. Now that's so, I mean, so how does this laptop story how does the New York Times validation of the laptop in their reporting last week, how does that impact that narrative? I think in, in an enormous way, because here's the thing, the the claim by Democrats was that Donald Trump was overstepping his bounds. Uh, he was making things up when he was speaking to the Ukrainian president, Zelensky. Well, and, that, and that's what he was asking about, right? So he's asking about that. Exchange. Exactly. He's asking, he's asking about the uh, investigation that, uh, that is taking place in Burisma. And he wants Ukraine to give him information about whether, whether the Bidens are meddling and people now, are like, Oh, that's a, how oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Joe Biden would never do that. Now you have in the laptop actual evidence that Donald Trump was true and was correct. Um, and and you have to give him credit. I mean, it's a lot of insight because, of course, the laptop was not out yet. The laptop had not been released. The, these emails did not exist in, to anybody's knowledge. So it, it, it changes the conversation in so many ways. And I think this is the reason the media has not wanted to cover this story, because the laptop is a treasure trove of material uh, as to what was going on in the Obama administration, what the Biden family was involved in. And it also is really confirmation, not for everything, but for a lot of the assertions that were being made by the Trump administration about what the Bidens were doing has been confirmed by the laptop. Because basically what we reported in Secret Empires was, hey, uh, this, I mean, Hunter Biden could do lots of different stuff, you know, had no experience in foreign government things. But 
ends up working for this Ukrainian gas company. Right. Okay. Like so we so that was known. He was it was known right. he's working for this Ukrainian gas company. It was known that there was an investigation into the head of this gas company. Right. And it was also then known that three weeks later, Joe Biden called for the ouster of the prosecutor that was leading this investigation. Right. That was the fact patterns that we yes. laid out yeah. in Secret Empires. And, and, yeah. and here's the, what it sort of seems to suggest. We know he's being paid a million dollars by this company. He right. didn't really have any experience in. Uh, this company's head was under investigation. Right. The, the father of the guy who you just hired helped get that prosecutor to step down. Right. That was uh, the that, fact pattern. That, 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 that is what the email seemed to indicate. And so what is so interesting about this story and about this case involving Hunter Biden, the New York Times now admitting the laptop is real, talking about this case, is you've got the issues of tax evasion, you've got the issues of the fair violations, you've got the issue of money laundering. Then you come to the sort of ultimate charge, which would be related to political corruption. Mm -hmm. And this is part where his father enters into this. Now, you know, just to clarify, his father is already involved because think about this for this a second. President Biden. We're talking yeah, about President that. Biden. Exactly. Uh, he's already involved in the other cases because if tax evasion is involved, we know that some of the money that Hunter Biden collected, he was using to pay his father's bills. Yeah, how do we know that? We know that because in the laptop, Hunter Biden actually is having conversations with his business partners that paying some of his monthly bills. There's also conversations about, oh, dad had work done on his house up in Delaware. Which account should we pay that out of? Um, so it's very clear they had intermingled finances. When you're looking at issues of tax evasion, Joe Biden is a beneficiary. Now, if you are giving more than $15,000 a year to somebody, which seems to be the case in this case, uh, there's a gift tax involved. Did Joe Biden pay the gift tax on his son paying his bills? There's no evidence of that. Did Hunter Biden pay the gift tax? No, there's no evidence of that. So this gets really messy really soon for the Bidens. And the question becomes, Eric, if Hunter Biden is indicted, I want your, uh, your insight and I want your prediction on this. If he gets indicted, does Hunter Biden take a plea bargain? even be willing to go to jail in order to protect his father, because that's where this could ultimately lead based on the evidence we're seeing. See, I thought you were going to go the other way. And I was about to make fun of you for having such a dark, twisted and broken family life. <laughs> where, they, where did you think it was? I thought go? you were going to say, does Hunter sell out his dad? <laughs> like, what do you take a plea bargain? To <laughs> like, Listen, guys, you don't want me. You want the big guy. Okay? <laughs> yeah. He could give 10% of yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Um, and I know we are very familiar with this material, but just as a reminder to the listeners, in these emails, Hunter Biden actually refers to his father, Joe Biden, as the big guy. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, that gets into all kinds of weird and uh, bizarre family dynamics. Um, I guess the what we have is we have evidence about Hunter Biden's business relationships, right? I think yes, the, we do. I think the evidence connecting uh, Joe Biden's personal finance, I mean, you, they are, as you noted, intermingled. Yep. But, the, but it's also fair to say we should be just very responsible about it. There's much less evidence of the intermingling than we have of the direct relationship between Correct. Hunter Biden. And all but, with, but with banking records and things like that and the issue of political corruption. Mm -hmm. Now, they're, they're, that's the other charge that is sort of lingering out there. It's a lot harder to prove legally yeah. political corruption is than tax evasion and others. But that by by implication would involve his father because the argument would be he was getting paid and his father was doing favors in return for that money well and that's and there's a couple other revelations and i you know we're going a little long on this we should move through some of these things quickly but that's back to the phone call or back to the exchange and like hunter you know how much did joe biden 
have to do with the removal of the prosecutor that was looking into the head of Burisma, right? If it's true that their finances are intermingled, and if it's true that Hunter Biden was being paid on average of a million dollars a year by Burisma, and if some of that money ends up going to Joe Biden, and then Joe Biden does, as a vice president, right. leverages Correct. foreign aid yep. to get um, Ukraine to drop the prosecutor that was pressuring the guy that was paying Hunter Biden, potentially Joe Biden, like that is sort of the definition of political corruption. Yes, that's exactly right. So uh, the legal standard for that is a lot harder to prove. That's why you don't see many political corruption cases come across but, the board. But to your point, I mean, it seems it's such a bizarre thing to say. But but that's literally what's at stake. I mean, that's a, that's on the table. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's interesting in summation in looking at all of this to, to recognize that the Bidens uh, not only are facing a particularly Hunter legal problems. It's also important, I think, to step back and just look briefly at how the Biden story has changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, from the beginning. We first reported on this in 2018. Uh, the book came out. We did a lot of media. The book hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And the Bidens argued that uh, this wasn't true, that Hunter didn't have these commercial deals. He wasn't making any money. Uh, well, let's, let's just quote, and then it kind of evolved. Why don't you go ahead and tell how that evolved? Well, I'll tell how it evolved by reading from your book. Which oh, is, I this love is the part this. I don't like doing. You know, I'm, ha this. I'm having to read from red handed, uh, but you talk about how, what, what page? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's page 44 uh, footnote 153, by the way, but it says the initial response from the Biden camp concerning the details in the book, talking about secret empires, which came out in 2018. Uh, the Biden response was essentially no response. They explained to the wall street journal, quote, we aren't going to engage in a politically motivated hit piece. But as you write, as the story began to get more attention, Team Biden was forced to engage. Their position became simply that Joe Biden did not know about his family's foreign deals, including Hunter's. Quote, and this is the key. I've never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else having to do with their business, period. He said in 2019. So that was the official position. Right. I don't. I know nothing. Right. See nothing, know nothing. And as you say, it's a position he would repeat for months. But then comes in a presidential debate in 2020 as things evolved and the New York Times advances the story and some other things come out. He then it evolves to, quote, I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. Right. So he's no longer saying I didn't talk to their business partners. It's just I personally didn't take any money. Right. And oh, by the way, I mean, back to the whole Burisma thing. They denied, and the New York Times reports on this, and the New York Post points out that they report on this, they denied that this meeting between Ukrainian you know, officials took place with Joe Biden. The Biden people said initially, well, it's not on a schedule, but now it appears that they actually, actually did meeting, that meeting did take place, right? So, yes, so exactly. it's more than just the narrative is evolving. Yes, exactly. I mean, they, they have lied to the American people numerous times, and you know, lied is a word that gets overused. This is a clear example of absolutely lying to the American people. And, of course, the media was not really interested in even looking at this. In fact, I saw a, a clip from Anderson Cooper when, when they had the presidential debate. Um, and his question to Joe Biden was, uh, you know, Donald Trump has, um, uh, you know, inaccurately stated. I mean, that was the question that he asked Joe Biden. So there is egg on the face of all of these reporters. Uh, that's not going to matter because they don't seem to have a conscience. They don't seem to rethink their journalistic approach when they make these failures, these failures and these omissions uh, and these sins, and they just continue to move on. But the broader part of it, I think that I see as an encouragement here is if you stick to the truth, yep. if you are persistent, if you bring the evidence, you can move these stories 
forward and you can actually get some kind of a hearing. And we don't know what this grand jury is going to do. Uh, but to me, the fact that the grand jury is convened and is meeting and that the team Biden is actually getting really nervous is evidence to me that we still can get some modicum of justice in this country when it comes to very powerful people breaking the law. I mean, you mispronounced the word modicum, but otherwise I think your point was totally modicum, correct. Modicum, modicum. No. Um, it's not one, tomato, of, one tomato, of those is not right. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> but but no, I think it's an excellent point, and we hear all the time from donors and people that are engaged in this. Like, hey, like I read all about this, I'm outraged. But outrage fatigue is a real thing. They say, when's anybody going right. to actually go to jail? Right. And that's where this is potentially such a massive thing because if this pattern of corruption, which again we've been laying out for four years, is correct, and all the evidence that continues to emerge seems to validate it, uh, it's nice to see in the New York Times. And I think from Team Biden, as you note, an admission that something may be coming. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, we appreciate you joining us on, for this podcast. As always, uh, we encourage you to go to thedrilldown.com, uh, which is the go-to website for news updates and stories that we're working on and also uh, a place that you can access our podcasts. Uh, and also, please pick up a copy of my book, Red Handed. Uh, it looks at China. There's plenty of information on the Bidens there, uh, as there is uh, on other political figures in Washington, D.C., Thanks so much for joining us. And Eric, until the next time, everybody be well and be safe. Be safe.